Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Glad to be with you all today. Uh, before we get into the big stories, I do want to let you know we had traffic a little while ago. We've got another situation just outside Opelousas. Those of you heading northbound on I-49 need to be aware of this. At the Harry Gilbo exit just outside of Opelousas, Louisiana State Police and hazmat workers are working a gas line leak uh, near the intersection of highways 182 and 3233. So, uh if you have to be in that part, uh, St. Langey Parish authorities are working uh, road closures there. Hazmat and Louisiana State Police are working to uh, get that done as soon as possible. That could affect some after-school traffic in that area. You need to know that. You need to be aware of that. Uh, that is, I believe, uh, not too far from Opelousas High School, uh, just a little ways down the road from there. So you do need to be aware of that if you plan on going northbound on I-49 and getting into that area a little bit later. No, Nothing on the interstate is closed, it sounds like. But uh, if you were to get off at the Harry Gilbo exit and then take uh, 3233, uh, hitch the left onto there, and then go toward 182, that's going to be shut down that area. That's where that leak is. So you need to be aware of that. All right, 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of the conversation, you can also send a chat through the KPL app chat. Just hit general message and you can send a, you can send me a chat. Let me know what you think about the show. Uh, I want to start with actually praising the Biden administration, praising the Department of Justice. Uh, Merrick Garland had a big press conference. It was not covered by the major networks. Uh, but they should have. This is actually really big news. Now, the reason they didn't cover it is there's, there's a whole lot of things going on. Uh, but this is actually something that, that we should be paying attention to. The Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, the FBI, they are going hard after Chinese spies in the U.S. They announced at a press conference this afternoon that uh, the FBI and intelligence agencies had been working to stop actors for the People's Republic of China, for the Chinese Communist Party, who were working to derail a case against, uh, there's actually a, a pending court case against the, a Chinese telecom company, I believe it's Huawei. And they were essentially trying to recruit a double agent to give them materials, give them evidence, try to derail that case but that double agent was actually a triple agent working with U.S. intelligence agencies, and so there are arrests being made there. They are also going after groups on U.S. soil that have been recruiting former law enforcement, current law enforcement, intelligence analysts, folks like that, recruiting them to come work in China. And they're putting a stop to that program as well. The Department of Justice is also going after uh, CCP actors, PCR uh, nationals, who are on American soil uh, trying to threaten and harass a Chinese-American citizen to force them to relocate to China, essentially abusing the American legal system 
by filing lawsuits against this person, their family, trying to get them to come to China. The Chinese government right now is attempting to consolidate power. And there's a lot going on with this right now. Over the weekend, there was a lot of news in China on the CCP, on the Chinese Communist Party's Congress. They held it. They they held their Congress. It was the end of a term. And there was a lot of, of newsworthy goings on there. The Chinese government, through state media, was announcing they've had a great economic quarter. We're really not actually believing that based on the evidence that we're seeing. But during the course of this Congress, uh, Xi Jinping's predecessor, Hu Jintao, was actually picked up by, so he was sitting next to Xi Jinping, he was actually picked up by security and taken out of the Congress, hasn't been seen since. The Communist Party disappeared the guy. Uh, there is movement that intelligence officials believe is a consolidation to uh, move up the timeline uh, uh, on invading Taiwan. There has also been increased movement on cracking down against protesters and folks like that. The Chinese Communist Party, the, the People's Republic of China, the government in China is moving to strictly control, is moving to more tightly control things. Now, how does this play into us? The Chinese government is trying to disrupt a lot of what's happening in the United States. They don't want their telecom company to be uh, beaten in court by U.S. Uh, officials. They're actually trying, and this is what we suspected going into the press conference. It wasn't stated by name, but we suspect part of this has to deal with the app TikTok as well. Most of you out there, you might be listening in the car. You might have just picked up your kids from school. They know what TikTok is. You may know what TikTok is. But TikTok, actually, their parent company, ByteDance, apparently works for the Chinese government. And there was a big explosive report from Forbes that noted a China-based team at TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, planned to use the TikTok app to monitor the personal location of some specific American citizens. From Forbes, the material reviewed by Forbes indicates that ByteDance's internal audit team was planning to use this location information to surveil individual American citizens, not to target ads or for any of the other purposes TikTok claimed that information would be used for. Forbes is not disclosing the nature and purpose of the planned surveillance referenced in the materials in order to protect their sources. TikTok and ByteDance did not answer questions about whether the internal audit has specifically targeted any members of the U.S. government, activists, public figures, or journalists. This is a very big deal, and it ties into this major story. The Chinese government wants to collect as much data on American citizens as possible. Now, when we talk about social media, oftentimes we say the same thing. You are not the customer, you are the product. And that's so advertising agencies can use your information to better pinpoint and better target ads, ads to maximize sales. But for TikTok, it looks like TikTok, it looks like ByteDance might actually be gathering this information for more nefarious purposes. They want to track your kids. They want to track uh, activists and politicians and, uh, 
and journalists and anybody else who uses the app who may actually pose a threat to the Chinese government. The information, here's how TikTok works. Everything that is posted to TikTok is routed through Chinese servers. So the Chinese government automatically has all of this information that's put in. Most people don't pay attention to that because most of the stuff on TikTok is fairly harmless. But there are some things on TikTok that undermine the Chinese government. There are things on TikTok that are frankly illegal, and that can be used as blackmail. That can be used to censor you. That can be used against you in many ways by a hostile foreign power. And there is talk that the U.S. government may be pursuing further actions against TikTok. What I want to do now is I want to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about why we haven't done anything about TikTok so far. And I say this as somebody who uses the TikTok app. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Plus your calls, 232-1542, here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also reach out through the KPEL app chat, and we'll respond to those as they come in. So again, if you're just joining us, earlier today, Merrick Garland uh, and the Department of Justice announced several major counterintelligence operations against Chinese Communist Party actors on U.S. soil trying to undermine uh, law enforcement, a case against a Chinese telecom company, and uh, essentially trying to harass uh, Chinese-American citizens, trying to get them to return or head or, or go over to China. This is a big deal. Now, part of what's involved here is the app TikTok. It wasn't mentioned specifically by name, but there has long been a belief inside U.S. intelligence agencies that the app was collecting data to be used for nefarious purposes by the Chinese Communist Party, by the People's Republic of China. So heading into today's press conference, there was speculation that this press conference was going to be, among other things, an announcement that TikTok was going to be banned from U.S. soil. If that sounds familiar to anybody, that's something that the Trump administration was looking into. And the Trump administration was attempting to force the sale of TikTok so that it would no longer be in the hands of a company that was in, in, the, uh, in the pockets of the People's Republic of China. What the Trump administration tried to do was try to get the parent company ByteDance to sell the app, sell, sell it so that it would be, uh, it would be, a, it would be safer as far as your information goes, things would be safer, but they weren't able to do it. Part of the problem now is that when the Biden administration came in, the Biden administration did an absolute 180 on just about everything the Trump administration was doing. And in fact, there were several on the left who were calling what Trump was doing ridiculous going after that social media app, that social media company. But progressive activists have very, very large followings 
on social media apps, including TikTok. And that would really hurt their reach. And that's something they really wanted to avoid. Now, some folks, some Democrats, some progressives in the U.S. government agreed with the Trump administration, but a lot of activists and a lot of the pundits and the the talking heads all opposed what Trump was doing. And the Biden administration came in and they basically let it lapse. They did not try to go after China's control on TikTok. But now it looks like because of that Forbes story I referenced earlier, the Biden administration is actually taking the threat very seriously. And of course, I say all this as somebody who uses social media quite a bit, and I do use TikTok because sometimes when I can't sleep at night, as I was just telling Mark during the break, I'm a terrible sleeper. So sometimes there are hours of me just scrolling through these stupid little videos. And it's mostly just funny memes because that's the algorithms on social on, on Facebook and TikTok. No, I just like looking at stupid stuff, stupid videos, stupid pictures on the Internet. I don't really care about any of the other stuff, but I start looking through those things. I start watching these stupid videos, and that's what distracts me long enough for my eyelids to finally get heavy and fall asleep. But I also understand that were I doing a lot on these apps, were I putting myself out there on TikTok and putting a lot of personal information out there, my data can easily be tracked. And if I were doing something nefarious, that could be used against me. So all the Chinese government would have to do is send somebody to find me, say, hey, we know what you're doing. And if you don't want your life ruined, you're going to do exactly what we say. Start posting these kind of things and start saying these kind of things. That's the big fear. The big fear is that this information can be used as blackmail against American citizens and force them to push Chinese propaganda. So the U.S. government is pretty much at the point where it cannot ignore these Chinese telecom companies and the information they gather and how they use this information. So they have to start taking action. And now the whispers once again are that the U.S. government is going to be looking seriously at TikTok and maybe coming up with a plan to handle what is very obviously a nefarious information gathering operation. Again, a lot of this talk dates back to last week with this absolutely explosive report from Forbes. And Forbes looked at a lot of this information and they noticed that this is deeply suspicious. And there are a lot of tech websites out there that saw this story and all these people who understand this stuff way better than I could explain it to you but they're also nerds, so oftentimes they don't actually translate it very well for the rest of us, basically all had their oh-no moment. I didn't want to say the word no. I wanted to say something else, but the FCC would would, would have frowned upon it. The parent company ByteDance, the app TikTok, and the Chinese government's control over information poses a major threat to your kids who are using this app quite a bit. To social media influencers who get on this app and use it to get their own message out there. It is impossible to avoid it because of the way the network is set up. Again, all information that goes into TikTok 
runs through Chinese servers because of the parent company. It is nearly impossible to completely evade your information going to the Chinese government because of that. And that's what the U.S. government is now very, very concerned about. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we have an education story. Brandon mentioned it this morning. It's up on kpel965.com. But I want to dig into some more of the Louisiana stuff and the national implications of this national report card. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a uh, message through the KPL app chat. So there is a uh, new report out. It is, it is the nation's report card that is out today. Let me uh, Let me get the official name for it. I had it. Uh, the National Assessment of Educational Progress. This is otherwise known as the nation's report card. Louisiana did very well. Well, I don't want to say very well. Did better than most. Louisiana showed growth in fourth grade reading. And while we showed uh, a drop in fourth grade math, eighth grade math, and eighth grade reading, the drop off wasn't as steep as it was in other states. I think only three states showed growth in fourth grade reading. It was us, Florida, and Hawaii. And I believe us and Hawaii, we were the top two. Hawaii had significant growth. I think we were behind them and Florida behind us. But Dr. Cade Brumley uh, you know, was happy to share the news that we had growth. I think we have to celebrate the fact that with the literacy crisis in the state, we have the largest growth in the country for fourth grade reading, he said. Okay, so we were... Uh, we were we had the largest growth, and and Hawaii was behind us. But he also added in a statement that came out today that we shouldn't chase shiny things and get distracted. We should focus on fundamentals like reading and math, supporting educators, and empowering parents. That last one is key because that's a major part of the push on education right now across all fifty states. But nationwide, the scores were abysmal. Nothing short of abysmal. You had several states that saw 10-point losses in these categories. And it's very easy to say, well, it's because these states shut down because of COVID. That's not quite accurate. That's a part of it. It's a huge part of it, but there is more that goes into it. The shutdowns didn't help. And right now, there is all this angry pushback. There are actually progressives out there who are saying, no, we didn't shut schools down. The campuses were closed, but kids were still learning. That's right there is the problem because anybody who actually had a kid who was going through that closed school campus system, they were doing remote, they were doing online learning. Anybody who saw their kid go through that understood their kid was not getting anywhere near what they would have gotten if they were actually in the classroom. Those three months that we in Louisiana were closed, not a whole lot was going on. We were putting stuff on. There's no way to check to make sure that the kids were doing the work. There was no way to really update the grades to show the kids were mastering stuff. It was basically a, hey, here, learn as much as you can. We're just going to make it through the year. There's no end of year testing. We're not going to worry about too much. 
Now, here in Lafayette, the next year, we went to a hybrid system and did that for three quarters of the year. So kids were showing up to school every other day. Half the kids would show up on A days, half the kids would show up on B days. So go A, B, A, B, and then the Fridays, they would alternate A, B, A, B. So it's A, B, A, B, A, A, B, A, B, B, just alternating weeks like that. The problem is kids were getting half the time in school that they should have been. So they were missing out on some, but not all of it. So we were able to mitigate a lot of that loss. But there are states that did nothing. They stayed shut down. They focused solely on the online learning. And we have problems with the online learning scenario. Online learning is a great, great tool for temporary closures due to illness, due to a kid being out. You know, you could set up to where a kid can still learn if they're out on long-term sickness. You can set it up if there's a major storm. You can make sure the kids get assignments, things like that. Uh, if there's any reason a school building has to be closed down, there's all sorts of ways that you can use temporary online schoolwork. And you can mitigate any learning loss from the classroom. That's not a long-term plan. Because kids don't just grow intellectually. They, just don't, they don't just grow academically in the school setting. They grow emotionally. They grow socially. They grow intellectually. They grow in all of these ways. There's all these different things we call intelligences. Social intelligence, academic intelligence, emotional intelligence, all these different things that they need regular human contact outside of their immediate family in order to try and maximize their learning potential. And that is the biggest problem that we had with online learning. The kids weren't able to get everything out of that social and educational experience. They were given words on a screen. They were given videos to watch. They were given assignments to do. But there was no way to really and truly check and go back and correct and rework with a student who didn't get it. You miss something on an assignment, go back and watch the video you posted again and relearn it until, and rewatch it until you get it right. That's not teaching. And that's the struggle that we saw with online learning across the country. Now, in Louisiana, we didn't have it near as much. In places like Florida, they didn't have the shutdowns. In Georgia, they tried to return them from the shutdowns as quickly as they could. But there are places where they kept things shut down as long as possible, and the kids really suffered. In Detroit, along with every other problem Detroit has right now, they saw the worst drops in these scores. And the governor of Michigan, where Detroit is, is currently tied in polling with her Republican challenger. Gretchen Whitmer, in the latest poll by Trafalgar, is in a statistical tie with Tudor Dixon, who is challenging her for the governorship, with a lot of parents, including in Detroit, mad at the learning loss and mad at the shutdowns and mad at the government's overreaching when it came to COVID. This loss of education is absolutely due to COVID and the mitigation efforts, but it's not just something as simple as, well, the unions forced us to shut down, so we were shut down and the kids lost. There are deeper problems here. We have to figure out ways to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen. And if it does, because of whatever reason, we have to have more efficient solutions in place. This was a once in a hundred year pandemic.
But if something like that happens again, we need to have a better solution for it. All right, let's go to the phone lines, 232-1542, if you want to jump in as well. We've got Pat. Pat, how are you today? Hi there. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I wanted to say in response to your talking about how much our children lost. lost. Mm-hmm. I'm a grandmother. I have two grandchildren. They're actually in St. Tammany Parish, supposed to be one of the better public school systems. Mm-hmm. But I watched carefully, and over a period of a year and a half, my grandchildren essentially missed a whole year of school. Exactly. And, I mean, you can add up the days they went, the days they didn't go, the content. There was no accountability for the content, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I have a graduating senior, and they're taking ACGs. And you can see it in the scores of our children, because the ACTs are still standardized. Yeah. And these kids missed a whole generation missed a year. A year. Yeah. And that stuff doesn't come naturally to you. Science, math, all of those skills. It doesn't come naturally. You have to be in school. You have to be tested. You have to be coached. Mm-hmm. Our kids are in tutoring right now, not provided by the school. We saw no effort, no effort by the schools to catch them up. No longer days, no extra days, no extra work. No, nothing. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I worry, I fear that this whole little generation here across the nation, our state too, that have missed a year of education. You're, and yet, they, they went on to the next level. Uh-huh. They went on. And I would call that social promotion. And that's, that really, it was participation trophy promotion. That's what it was in many of these cases. Pat, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. And you're absolutely right. This is a big, big problem. Because we now have students who are graduating, who are graduating with a year and a half or more that they have essentially missed out. And they don't have all the information they need. They don't have all the skills they need preparing for college. You have kids. I mean, Louisiana is starting a new system. There is summer school now for third and fourth graders who are not on level with their reading because the the State Board of Education realized the kids who were learning to read when the pandemic started missed out on a bunch of instruction in school. So they are way behind. And so now we have this system in place to try to get them caught up so that maybe because reading is so vital to everything else. Maybe our, we can start to catch back up. And that was a scaled down version of the original program. The original program was, I think, kindergartners through fourth grade, but they only settled for like third and fourth grade. But scores are historically down. I mean, we're, we've lost decades worth of growth because of this year and a half, two years in a pandemic as a nation. And people are upset about it. And that's one of the reasons why November, two weeks from tomorrow, two weeks from tomorrow, that's one of the reasons why the midterms look so bad. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, let's finish up the show with something positive, like how about this weekend in football? Let's have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So, Let's get into the fun stuff. Let's get into how nice this weekend was. Great, great win for the Cajuns. Uh, history made at quarterback there. And I think at this point, 
the folks that had their reservations about about Brian Kelly need to come to terms with the fact that he's doing the right things. You know, last uh, you know on on Friday, I I was the guest host on Shannon is Offsides, and Shannon and I talked a lot about the Saints. And one of the things that we ended up talking about was the fact that that the Saints head coach Dennis Allen does not exude confidence on the sideline. And that's part of the problem here is he is very much not confident as a head coach, and it shows in the way his team is performing. He came into a rough situation. He came in behind Sean Payton. They had just lost. Uh, they're still recovering from the loss of Drew Brees at quarterback. The team is rebuilding. They are struggling with injuries. All of these things happening right now. But as a coach, you have to step up and you have to start learning to make adjustments. Start learning what is working, what isn't working personnel-wise. Compare and contrast with Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly has never been an SEC coach. At Notre Dame, you don't play an SEC schedule. You have a handful of good opponents, but otherwise mostly just games you should win. And you'll note that when he left Notre Dame, Notre Dame had a beginning of the season collapse. And you'll note that at the beginning of the season, things started out rough for LSU as well. And they had a lot of personnel issues. They had a lot of leftover seniors who had no discipline, who were not very good at their jobs. And Kelly has either coached them through or he's replaced them. They are no longer starting. He's made the adjustments. And that's a pretty important factor going in here. Kelly was able to come in. He saw what he had with the program. And there's no amount of practicing that really, really gets you ready for that first game day. You have to actually see how your players perform in that first game. And he saw, and he made some adjustments. And then there was a better game, and he made some adjustments. And he kept making those adjustments until you saw what LSU put onto the field on Saturday. And now they have Alabama coming up. And LSU is now in, uh, they're now number 18 in the top 25 of college uh, teams. And Alabama is still at number six. The top six really didn't change. Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, and Alabama. Alabama absolutely should have slaughtered Mississippi State. And frankly, they shouldn't have let Mississippi State score at the end. But they did. Alabama is very vulnerable. Now, am I going to go out and say, yeah, absolutely, LSU can beat Alabama? No, I'm not going to say that because there's still, you know, a Bryce Young in the play, in the mix here. And Bryce Young is a guy that you absolutely do not underestimate under any circumstances because he can make things happen. But Jaden Daniels is fast becoming one of the most exciting guys to watch play because he can just about do it all. If Jaden Daniels masters the short pass, he's going to be a top-tier quarterback for the remainder of his time in the NCAA. His improvement from game to game has been extraordinary. And his ability to work with his teammates to create that chemistry on a squad that, when Brian Kelly came in, had no discipline, had no structure, 
as charismatic as Ed Orgeron was, there was no culture of discipline there. Somebody mentioned to me, hey, we have a preseason. We didn't start with an arrest. That's new and exciting in LSU history. There are good things happening there. And that is a result of a coach coming in and making the adjustments he should. Again, contrast with the states. Saints. Dennis Allen's team makes the same mistakes over and over again. And a lot of people troll Andy Dalton about it. I feel bad for Andy Dalton. He's second fiddle to the guy who was second fiddle. Andy Dalton came in as the backup to the guy who came in as a backup to Drew Brees. Dalton really has had somewhat of a chance to grow, but not a whole lot, and he's still trying to learn. And there really is very little chemistry, it seems like, right now, because everybody's injured, the team's not playing well, morale is low. That's what you're seeing. You see, you see the same thing here in town. New coach comes in, a lot of new personnel. They have a system. They developed their chemistry. They made adjustments. Look at how they've changed from then to now. It's a big deal when you have a coach that comes in and they understand and they make adjustments. They don't have to change the scheme, but they make adjustments. That leads to good things. And now it's exciting to watch Louisiana football again in several schools. All right, that's it for me. 23 hours until the next show. Shannon is offsides next. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and sign up for the newsletter and the show notes on JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. Talk to you guys again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.